Folks, let me give you some friendly advice. Do not be the creative who spends thousands and thousands of your hard-earned dollars on equipment each year without spending one penny on your marketing. If there's ever been a time to rise above the noise and do something just a little bit different to impress your leads and wow your clients, I would say now's that time. And my favorite way to do that is by leveraging print promotion using the photography that I am the most proud of. So our amazing friends at Bay Photo Lab have almost every product that you can think of, from magazines to photo books to promo cards that you can leave behind. And listen, if you just want something to dazzle your office or living space at home with, well, they have options for that too. You can get prints and wall displays from basically every style, from canvas to metal to acrylic. And the best part is you can get 25% off your first time order just by going to bayphoto.com, signing up today. They ship everywhere in the world, folks, and all their products look incredible. So do yourself a favor, start leaving an impact, whether it's for your personal memories at home or for your professional marketing at work. Bay Photo Lab, designed by photographers for photographers. You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a podcast that inspires photographers and visual artists who live their best creative lives. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host and a full-time photographer here to give you some tools so you can build your life in creative self-employment. Beyond that, I get to sit down with an amazing community of creative professionals to talk about process, business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So let's get to it. Entrepreneur Season 2, kicking off next. All right, you know, folks, when you've worked at something for a long time, like a lot of us have at photography, at creative design, at whatever, at a certain point, invariably, you will have heard plenty of people in that same profession disseminate common narratives about that craft, that industry, about that lifestyle, you know, and many of which you might presume to be true, especially initially. But after time, through your own experiences that you vetted, uh, those sentiments may reveal themselves to be less than universal truths and more actually false narratives. So today, I wanted to broach some common narratives about self-employment life because, of course, this show is about creating a life in freelancing or self-employment that I believe either paint an incomplete picture or fall under the category of myth altogether. So what is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. We are on episode 95 of Entrepreneurs. Happy to have you guys joining us today. Uh, if you do want to help the show, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the program. Now, not every freelancer is going to freelance full-time. Okay, Some are doing it in conjunction with a part-time or a full-time job, which is a great model to implement in today's gig economy. You know, you get a little paycheck consistency from your full-time job and you balance it out with some variety in your additional jobs and you bring in a little extra cash to do whatever you need to do with it. So not a bad gig. For those who are looking to go into full-time freelancing, I wanted to expand upon what it means to be self-employed. Now, of course, I can't speak for every self-employed creative out there. That would just be insane. I can only speak on my experiences and sprinkle in some experiences from other full-time freelancers that I know and then give you what I presume to be a relatively close approximation to the working life of a typical full-time freelancer. So here we go. Let's dispel some false narratives about self-employment. Number one, it is always better to be your own boss. All right, anytime you hear the word always, it's a pretty good indicator that's already a lie. There's no universal truth to what is best for everyone. I know plenty of people who would be a terrible boss to themselves. I've been doing this for seven years. I'm still not that good at it. And you think about any job, one boss might be a great fit for a certain type of employee. You know, they, they get the most out of them for, from a motivational standpoint, but that same boss might yield the opposite result from another employee because they just simply don't respond to the same motivating tactics. Think of it like this. 
you can verbally chastise one athlete for making a mistake and he or she will go home, work on it over and over and over again until they get it right. You could do the same thing to another athlete, but they might go home, they might cry, they might lose all their confidence and then quit the sport entirely. We are wired differently. Now, I'm not saying it's only those two outcomes. There are plenty of other scenarios in between those extremes. The point is we're not wired the same way universally. And therefore, many of us will lead in different ways. So when you act as your own boss, and I should preface by saying that we do actually have bosses as freelancers, they're just our clients. But on the off days, when you are your own boss, what level of discipline versus freedom will you implement? What level of strategy versus action will you prioritize? How much do you allocate to all the pieces of the pie that is your business? You know, your marketing, your content creation, your admin, et cetera. Like, what is the split? And does it even matter? The indication of a good boss to me is someone who gets results without the overuse of negative reinforcements and shaming. Okay, that's my personal definition. Yours might be different. Either which way, whatever definition you use, we may not be equipped to get that out of ourselves all the time. So while there are huge benefits in lifestyle to not having the same boss to face every day, make no mistake about it, plenty of us are far more productive with someone to hold us accountable. So if you venture into full-time self-employment and you're not getting the results, if you're not being productive on a day-to-day or at least weekly-to-weekly basis, the safe assumption is that the boss and employee relationship that you have with yourself is simply not working. It's not always better to be your own boss if you don't have the skills to be a boss. The upside, however, is that the, the skill can be developed and the benefits of becoming a good boss to yourself can yield great rewards down the line. It's just something you have to work at. False narrative number two, self-employment is way riskier than traditional employment. All right, I'm not gonna say that there is no risk involved, but I believe that narrative needs qualifying. We need more context. If you jump into full-time freelancing without having done any groundwork beforehand, meaning you know building up at least a semblance of clientele, establishing some form of a, a marketing plan, squaring away your finances, then yeah, it can absolutely be a risk jumping into something that you aren't prepared for. But the assumption that because you have no job security means you are at risk isn't entirely true, okay? The sheer fact that you may rely on multiple clients indicates that you have a safety net. And I've said it many times before on this podcast, when you are an employee, you may just have that one client. Now, some people will diversify in addition to that job, and that's great. But for many people, that job is literally everything to them. So what happens if that company downsizes? What happens if they change your employment terms to freelance? What if they cut your salary and then you opt to leave? What if another pandemic happens? What if the industry that company works in starts to shrink like a newspaper company, right? If you have one source of income, you have one client. A a full-time B2B freelancer typically has several clients. I'd say between five to 10. A full-time B2C freelancer, such as a wedding or senior photographer, well, they may have dozens upon dozens upon dozens of clients each year. Now, when I grew up, the narrative that got passed around about self-employment Uh, was that it was a dangerous game. And that was mostly disseminated by people who had no experience in self-employment. They were following a traditional belief system that you work hard in school, you get good grades, that way you get into a better school so that the degree would get you a good job to which you could work up the corporate ladder. Nothing wrong with that model, to each their own, right? But for me or anyone to say that it is the only way, particularly now in 2022 going on 2023, in which the gig economy is increasing exponentially each year, I don't see this as a philosophy that is rooted in reality. Now, most of the people listening to this podcast, I would presume, have a job and a side hustle as well. So I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here. Having multiple sources of income can be very beneficial. And that's what this lifestyle encourages. If you're full-time freelancing, you learn to diversify your client base. You create multiple sources of income. 
And at its core, because of that, it becomes a risk-averse venture. Narrative three, you have to do everything on your own as a self-employed individual. All right, so this isn't necessarily a myth, but I did put it in here as a false narrative because I believe it is predicated mostly on choice. You don't have to do everything yourself, but you can. You can outsource a great number of tasks that would take up a lot of time as well. I was just talking to a colleague of mine who was asking if he should start sending out email newsletters to his leads. And so I responded, well, first of all, you can't just put people's emails on your email list for newsletters without their consent. This isn't the same as a cold email. Okay, With a newsletter, you need to provide them an opportunity to opt in to your email list. That's how you legally spam in the United States. So the question then became, how do I get these leads to opt into my email list? To which I responded, well, you can simply ask people by posting it on your social media to have people sign up, which may or may not yield great results. Or generally, you can offer something on your site, which is called a lead magnet, which typically has information or value to your intended audience. So an example would be a wedding photographer might promote a PDF booklet of best poses for couples in exchange for an email. That is the basis of a lead magnet funnel. Okay. Now, no matter how you slice it, those things are going to take time if you're going to do it on your own. But you can outsource that as well if you had other priorities. That's my point. It is a choice. People outsource their culling, their retouching, their marketing, their contracts, their taxes. Is it beneficial to do all of these things yourself? I would say having a modicum of awareness and proficiency at them can be a very empowering part to being self-employed. You know, you gain a lot of confidence in your ability to run a business because you are running a business. But on the extreme end, when a business owner gets too busy managing all the minute tasks that he or she has to deal with, it behooves them to know how and when and what to outsource. You can absolutely take on everything yourself, but at the end of the day, it is your choice, not your obligation. False narrative number four, you need a lot of capital to start your business. All right, I honestly think that the cost of starting a business today is relatively affordable, short of opening up your own store or studio. Most photographers getting off the ground can manage with a couple cameras, lenses, and a flash. Okay, If you need more like a $10,000 lens or a higher-end lighting kit for commercial jobs, you can always rent those per each job. And a lot of creative professions these days don't require a brick-and-mortar location. You don't need to rent an office space or storefront each month, okay? You don't have to worry about the cost of goods sold and inventory. You don't have a payroll to worry about. You need basic gear, a website, computer, and some liability insurance, and you're good to go. You can and you will add more things to your cost of business as you grow, of course, but starting out, it doesn't require an exorbitant amount of money. Cameras today are actually like TVs. You know, like 15 years ago, to get something good, you probably needed to drop $700 to get a 32-inch TV, and today you can get them for a buck fifty. Same thing with cameras. When I first started, it wasn't really worth spending less than, I would say, $3,000 on a camera. You're going to notice a big drop off in quality and performance if you did. Today, you can get a really good body for $1,500. That's half the price that I used to pay. Speed lights, they used to cost me 600 bucks 10 years ago. Now they cost me 100 Same thing with modifiers. I had to get a softbox with a grid that cost me like $500 five years ago. Now I got them for under two. So by today's standards, to outfit myself with the same relative startup kit that I did a decade ago, would actually be saving me quite a bit of money. And lastly, false narrative number five, there are no benefits to being self-employed. All right, so from a pure employer to employee standpoint, there is some truth to this. You don't get company gear, you don't get health benefits or 401k match, you don't get paid vacation times. All those things are true. But after several years of doing this on my own, I found that there are benefits to being self-employed that actually outweigh the benefits that I received when I was an employee. So let's start off with some financial benefits first. 
The first benefit to take advantage of is tax deduction. This is easily one of the best benefits, the ability to write off many of our business expenses with pre-tax dollars, things like transportation, gear, office space at home, your meals, your insurance, etc. The second thing that you can do is you can contribute to retirement funds at a higher rate than employees, because mostly as freelancers, you're contributing to it entirely on your own. There's no matching involved from your employer, which is basically free money. So even though we don't have a match, we have higher contribution thresholds. And then the third financial benefit is that you have unlimited income potential. I know freelancers making over $100,000, $200,000, even $300,000, they're not getting that if they did the same work for one specific brand. Their income would be capped probably well and a half, if not more. Now, outside of the financial, there are many other lifestyle benefits just depending on the preference of the individual. For me, I love the fact that I get to choose my own work environment. Not everyone works best in a crowded office surrounded by people. You know, I personally get way too distracted that way. Uh, I also love the fact that I can choose what I want to do and what I want to outsource, right? So an employee can't do that too often. If the boss tells you, hey, I need this done, then that's your job to get that done. I have the option to do it myself or to pass it off to someone else. I also love the fact that I don't waste any time on commuting or getting ready for work and being relegated to a 30-minute lunch break. I love not having to cap my vacation time. If I want to take six weeks backpacking across Europe, I can do that and also not receive any resentment from my boss or my coworkers. I love the fact that I don't have to bite my lip when my company does something offensive or represents something that I don't believe in. I love the excitement of building my own brand, of curating content that I want to create. I love how it has made me a better professional, a better husband, a better person. I could go on and on. And listen, this is not a post to convince you to quit your job and jump into the deep end with me. But after seven years of freelancing full-time, going through the ups and the downs, I've learned a lot more about myself and I see the upsides way more clearly than I do the downsides. And what is sometimes frustrating is that these narratives can get passed around by people who have not done the work themselves. There are no universal truths to any path you take, okay? My experience might differ greatly from yours. And there's a lot of beauty in that. So just don't go making decisions based on generalized statements that get passed down from generation to generation. Not everything is as it seems. So that is going to do it for me today, folks. Thank you for tuning into the show. Please like, subscribe, review the show on your favorite platform. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you all next week. What's up, entrepreneurs? Thank you for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the content you just listened to, hit subscribe and tune in again next week. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Entrepreneurs Pod for updates, promos, and giveaway contests that we run throughout the year. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our really cool website, EntrepreneursPod.com. It's a great resource for you to download informational PDFs and booklets, access discount codes from our amazing affiliates, and read what our audience is up to on our community blog. For now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, supporting the show, and being a part of this journey. This is Michael Durr signing off for now, Entrepreneurs Season 2. Let's go. This episode of Entrepreneurs was brought to you by Bay Photo Lab. First-time orders receive 25% off on any professional photo printing product or service. Yes, I said 25%. Just go to bayphoto.com to browse the amazing selection of gifts, prints, and displays. That's bayphoto.com once again. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.